you open your Bible to the Old Testament, the book of Amos, um, book of Amos uh, chapter 6, uh, I definitely feel um, a confirmation of the Holy Ghost. I really do. I'm not just saying that. In fact, if I were to just count up just real quick from the very beginning of service to right now, I could probably count at least two to three confirmations that I feel. And that always makes a preacher feel good when you feel the confirmation that what you've been praying about and what you've been seeking, that, that it seems to be in alignment with what God has for tonight. And so I just want to preach a few moments on this thought, Amos chapter 6 and verse 1. It reads, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion, and trust in the mountain of Samaria, which are named chief of the nations, to whom the house of Israel came. Pass ye into Kalna and see. And from thence go ye to Hamath the great. Then go down to Gath of the Philistines. Be they better than these kingdoms, or their border greater than your border? Ye that put far away the evil day, and cause the seat of violence to come near, that lie upon beds of ivory, and stretch themselves upon their couches, and eat the lambs out of the flock, and the calves out of the midst of the stall, that chant to the sound of the vial, and invent to themselves instruments of music, like David, that drink wine in bowls, and appoint themselves with chief ointments. But they are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. They are not grieved for the affliction of Joseph. And I know that you probably don't need to flip there, but do it anyways. Just just uh, uh, humor me and flip over to the book of Acts. The book of Acts, the second chapter. I would I would presume that many of you could perhaps quote this uh, verbatim, and you could begin to 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 quote this entire this entire reading of Acts chapter two and verse one. It reads, "And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, and there were all everybody say all with one accord and in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven." as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled the house where they were sitting, and there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled. Say all again. All filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit of God gave them utterance. Hallelujah. 
I feel the Holy Ghost in this place. I really do. Ever since I walked in here and I've heard the echoes of the prayers of the people of God as it set the atmosphere for what's going to happen here today. I believe that 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 this church is ready. I believe that you are primed or believe that you are hungry tonight. And I just want to just want to talk to you about this this quick thought tonight. And I want to preach on this. The reviving of all. The reviving of all. I believe that every single one of us need a fresh baptism of the hunger of all. I believe that every single one of us need a fresh reviving of a passion that says, God, don't just take half of me, but take all of me. If you feel that way, once again, put your hands together. Would you clap your hands unto the Lord? Come on, with all your heart, with all your mind. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, with everything, everybody. I want to push you at the very outset of this message just to give God all of your heart, all of your soul, all of your heart. Praise God, praise God, praise God, praise God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah, the Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. The Lord is good and his mercy endureth forever. Hallelujah. Turn to your neighbor, look him squarely in the eye and say, the reviving of all. You may be seated this, this evening. It doesn't take me long to get going, so if you jump on this rather quickly, I hope that you can preach with this preacher tonight. Uh, I want you to just just stop. I want to just stop and just say this: that 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 preaching with the preacher. We we often as preachers talk about men that are response preachers. They're always saying, "Can you say hallelujah? Can you say praise the Lord?" They're always trying to seemingly conjure up a response from the people. And then we talk about men that are word preachers. And they go and dive into the depths of the word of God and extrapolate a great truth. Or they exposit something out of the word of God to enlighten our understanding of scripture. Let me just tell you something about the response when it comes to preaching. We often quote a scripture that says where Two or three are gathered in my name. There I am in the midst. Anybody ever heard that? If you look look to the rest of that scripture, it's not just enough to come and sit on the pew. It's not just enough because he also said in that same pericope, he said, if you will be able to touch and agree... 
touching any one thing. When we preach, it's not about a response. When we preach, it's not about getting people to hang off the chandeliers, run the aisles, or speak in tongues. When we preach, and why there should be a response from the pew is because there's somebody that said, I didn't just come to sit here, but I came to stand and to agree with the man of God that what he's preaching is right. And if I can stand and if I can agree touching any one thing, then God will be in the midst. If you believe that right now, I want you to just put your hands together and begin to agree with the man of God. Hallelujah. I have read many a church growth books. In fact, I remember talking several times with your pastor about books that he had read, whether it be Simple Church or whether it be any of these other other great uh, uh, nuts and bolts type of books to church growth. But there's one particular statistic that has been around for a long time. In fact, they call it, it's not just a church statistic, but it's also a business statistic. They call it the 80-20 rule, which is simply to say many of you are nodding your heads with familiarity. You are understanding that this statistic, it is just trying to articulate that 20% of the people do 80% of the work. And simultaneously, on the flip side of that, that 80% of the people do 20% of the work. I have seen this in the church, whether it be in my local church in Redlands or even as we have been traveling far and wide up and, up and down the state of California thus far. I have seen churches that are surviving on 20% of the people doing 80% of the work. I have seen 80% of the people only doing 20% of the work. And we wonder why we have not seen the dreams, the visions, and the power of God being pronounced like we have dreamed and seen it. I want to start at the very outset of this message and let you know, church, I'm not coming after the 20% of you. I ain't coming tonight after the 50% of you. I'm not coming after 80% of this church, but I've come here today. I stand flat-footed before you to let you know I've come for the total church tonight. I've come for 100% of you. I'm not going to let one of you sit back on it. I'm not going to let one of you be at ease in Zion. I'm not going to let one of you go through the motions on the first Wednesday of this year, but I've come to preach a house of fire and let you know we don't need 20%. We don't need 50%. But we need a reviving of all. I'm tired of I'm tired of twenty percent of the people doing eighty percent of the worship. I'm tired of twenty percent of the people doing eighty percent of the ministry. 
I'm tired of 20% of the church doing 80% of the giving. I know you don't like that, but can I tell you, if you're going to make it, you're not going to make it living in complacency. You're not going to make it living half-hearted. You're not going to make it living 50%, but you've got to say, God, be in my hands. God, be in my feet. God, encompass the total me. Come on, put your hands together, would you? Clap your hands unto the Lord. Hallelujah. 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 When we talk of revival, most times if we were to find to define revival, we would try to define it by simply a line to the baptistry. And I thank God for it. I'm believing this Sunday, sister, that Brother Armando can be baptized. I know he's not here, but I believe this Sunday he can be baptized in Jesus' name. Anybody else believe that with me? I believe that. I believe it. But can I tell you something? Revival truly defined is not us having a line to our baptistry. Revival truly defined is not folks receiving the Holy Ghost. But I would propose to you that that is the outworking of a revived church. I would propose to you that most times what we call revival is truly harvest. But I've come to tell you we go through the motions. We have crusades. We have people receive the Holy Ghost. Hear me. Stay with me. I'm not downing it. I believe in it. Evangelists, our believer, but let me tell you something. The church frustrates themselves because they put harvest before revival. They put a harvest before the church is ready to begin to babysit these new babies. And we wonder where Sally go. And we wonder where Joe go. And we wonder where Bethany go. They were just here last Sunday speaking in other tongues. But let me tell you, if we're going to be the people and the church that God has predestined us to be, we are going to have to have a reviving of all. It was said just recently, but Jesus never told us to pray for the harvest. He said, I want you to pray for laborers. He never told us to pray for the drug addict. He never told us to pray for the prostitute. He never told us to pray for the drunk. He never told us to pray for the greedy. He never told us to pray for the religious. But what he looked to Peter, James, and John and said, Boys, what I'm the prayer that I am beckoning that you will pray is will you pray the Lord of the harvest that somebody would get so fired up once again that somebody would be so revived that they would charge hell with the water pistol and say hell you're not going to have my sin 
I want you to pray that somebody will come out of the church with a sickle. I want you to pray that somebody will come out of the church as a light. I want you to pray that somebody that's in Zion will rise up out of their bed of ease and say, baby, I've got to have a move of the Holy Ghost. I've got to have a heart. I don't have time to get all into this, but can I tell you this? Peter and James and John had been fishing all night. And the Bible reminds us that they caught nothing. But Jesus looked at them and said, boys, let's get back in the boat. Let's go to the Sea of Galilee. And here they look at them and they say, but Jesus, we've been doing this all night long. We've been giving our all all night long. We've been casting our nets all night long. But Peter got a revelation in the nick of time. And he looked at him and said, hey, I don't know why. I don't know why he's asking us to do this, but at thy word. And the Bible said Jesus was trying to get them to understand that it wasn't about the fish. It was about their obedience. It was about their total obedience to the word of God. Because Jesus said, if you want these fish in your nets, you're going to have to do what I say. Can I tell you here tonight that if we want these fish in this net, we're going to have to have a reviving of all. We're going to have to do it the apostolic way. We're going to have to do it the Bible way. But we've been fishing all night. Nevertheless, at thy word. Hallelujah. I believe that we must have a revival of all. In fact, I don't want you to get this confused. I never really heard anybody use this. I don't think it's anything anything amazing but did you know you can't even spell you can't even spell revival without al you can't even have revival unless you have an al now, I know AL doesn't spell all, but can I tell this church tonight, I believe tonight, we're going to put the devil on, the ba- on, their, on their feet. They're going to be backing, backpedaling all the way to the gates of hell because somebody is going to get tired of living for God at a level of 50%, and they're going to say, God, I'm here to give my all. I'm here to worship with all my heart. I'm here to worship with all my mind. I'm here not to go through the motions, but I'm here to give my all. Come on, clap your hands to the Lord, would you? I could go into great lengths to explain the words of Amos the prophet as he begins to 
preach and begins to really sing a lament to both the north and the south kingdom, Israel and Judah. He looks to them and he says, Woe to you that are at ease in Zion. I know that that is is a stinging remark. I understand that that is a stinging indictment of this people. But I want to just echo the words of Amos. Let this church know today. I believe that maybe 40% or maybe 50% of you are perhaps where God desires you to be. But I've come here today not to not to beat you up, not to not be your friend and be your enemy, but I've come today to sound the alarm. It is not time to be at ease in Zion. It is not time to just sit calloused on the church pew. It's not time to go through worship. It's not time to go through preaching. It's not time to lay down and lay on your... You don't believe it, but sometimes we come to the house of God. I understand. I'm not talking about, I'm not a Pentecostal kid that was raised with a silver spoon in his mouth. I know what it is to work a full day. I know what it is to hold two jobs. I know what it is to come in Wednesday night after a long day and sit down and everything inside of you is just saying, I wish he'd hurry up. I know what it is to come and sit on the pew and sprawl out. I know what it is. Like Amos told Judah and told Israel, he said, you're lying on your beds of ivory. You're sitting down just playing your music, but you're not really in tune with what God has for the church. I've come to tell you sometimes, like I said on Sunday, you've got to muster every cell in your body and say, I'm going to praise him irregardless of how I feel. I refuse to be at ease. I refuse to go through the motions. I refuse to be complacent. It doesn't happen by accident. Being revived does not happen because pastor comes and takes a little spiritual pixie dust and puts it over your head. It takes something way down deep that says, I refuse to be apathetic. I refuse to go through the motions. I refuse to be a robot. You didn't know it, but there's robots that come to our churches. Oh, you don't believe that? Uh huh. They are programmed to shout on certain songs. And Sister, Sister Brown knows exactly what those songs are. You're not pulling the wool over her. But here's the issue 
We've got robots. They come to the house of God and they go through the motions. And you say the right thing and they stand to their feet. You sing the right song and they'll jump and shout and dance. But if you don't sing the right song, And if you don't have the right message, and if you don't have the right title, and if you don't have the right name, and if you don't have the right preacher, they're programmed to be at ease in Zion. David said it this way. It don't take three songs to get me going. He said, I will bless the Lord. He said, it don't, it, don't, it, don't take, it, don't take, it don't take a holiday youth convention to get me going. I can live for God on the mountaintop or I can live for God on the valley. If my favorite, favorite preacher isn't preaching, I can still stand up and say, preach it, brother, preach it. Anybody tired of being programmed in church? Anybody tired of just going through the motions of Pentecost? I'm t- I-, I don't want to meddle too much. Let me just tell you something. In Pentecost, I-, I thank God for our worship, but if we're not careful, our praise will be nothing more than an re- emotional response to a memory of our past. Yeah, you-, you know what it was. You know what the song was when I went to youth convention? In fact, Sister Brown... All of my friends, when we went to youth convention, we'd have Christian wagers betting. That's Christian wagers. We'd have, we'd have Christian wagers that we knew what the first song of youth convention was going to be. And in my day, it was the song, We Come to Pray, Sam. And man, that was the jam. And they knew how to get that western district up on their feet, dancing and shouting, stomping the devil, because they knew that there had been some years in the past that that's what had happened. And if we're not careful, we will program our people to remember an emotional experience in their past. And their only response to get them out of their chair or to get them to give their all is when we hit that number and that song comes on. I'm not here to indict you. I'm here to kick you in the seat of the pants and say enough is enough. Let's be the people of God that says I'm not hungry for a song. I'm hungry for God. I'm not hungry for a man. I'm not hungry for a name. But I'm here to seek ye first the kingdom. Come on, if you believe that, I want you to stand to your feet, clap your hands, and begin to give God a great praise. Come on, I want you to praise him with all your heart. I want you to praise him with all your might.
I'm not done preaching, but I would to God you just lift your hands and begin to shout shout to God with a great voice of triumph. I wish you'd tell hell, I refuse to be a robot. I refuse to go through the motions. I desire the presence of God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, we, can I tell you, you can sit down, you can stand up. I'm not done. You do whatever you want to do. But let me just tell you this. I refuse to be a compartmentalized Christian. I refuse to be a compartmentalized Christian. You say, I don't know what that is. Compartmentalize is that I can take in my mind, and when I'm at the house of God, I can do it this way. But when I'm at a conference, I can do it that way. And when I go to another church for a special service, I can do it that way. And when I get to my job, I can do it that way. And we can begin to segment in our mind. Can I tell you, that's not the will of God. God said, I want your head. I want your hands. I want your feet. I want your mouth. I want your friends. I want your family. I want to revive all. You may be seated. I'm trying to wind this down. I could spend many much time in the book of Amos, but let me just move on quickly. I think every apostolic Every guest here at this church, if you're not familiar, we are a one God church. We believe that hero Israel, the Lord our God, is one Lord. We believe that there is one Lord and there is one faith and there is one baptism. We believe that when you get to heaven, like John said, you won't see three, but you will see one. I thank God for that. The Old Testament Hebrews, they would call Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, they would call it the Shema. It would be something that they would rehearse every day. It would, in fact, pastor talked about it on Sunday where they would have it bound upon their their forehead as frontlets. It would be the guiding force every day in their life. But I've come to tell you that they stopped short in the Shema. Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 6 and verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is... But here's here's the whole point. Here's what I believe in the Old Testament God was trying to do. He said, you know what? I'm not a plurality of persons. I'm not God the Father. I'm not God the Son. And I'm not God the Spirit. I am God, all three in one. But here's what he was trying to do in the next verse. Because this is what the Bible says. The Bible says, and thou. It was as if he took the focus off of him and put it on the worshiper. He said, I am one. Now, what I want you to be is one. Because the Bible says, and thou shalt worship the Lord with 
all your heart and all your mind and all your strength. What he was trying to say is I'm not a plurality. I don't want you being a plurality. I'm not compartmentalized. You don't be compartmentalized. I want you to give all of your heart. I want you to give all of your soul. I want you to give all of your strength. You just lift up your hands, would you, right now? Just reach out to the Lord for a second. I'm about to wrap this up. <laughs> Come on, right now. I know you're right now, you're at that place that you're just getting a little tired right now. I want you just to lift up your, lift up your hands and just say, God, help me. Revive the total me. Come on, revive the total me. Lift up your voice, would you? Come on, church, help me. I'm not here for just 50% of you. I'm here for all of you. I'm here for all of you. God's not here to do a work just in 50% of you. God's here to do a work in all of us. The Bible reminds us in a very familiar scripture and passage in talking about a church that is preached about often. In fact, would to God that we have the lost letter of Laodicea that we could read for our understanding and for our knowledge. But the Lord, through John, Jesus, God gave John a vision. He looked at this church, Jesus did, and said, Laodicea, I know you. You're not hot, but you're not cold. And I would that you were hot or I would that you were cold. But because you're just lukewarm, I don't want to have any part of you. You see, what happens is when we begin to to live half-heartedly, when we begin to live complacent, when we begin to live a life of measured worship and robotic praise and, and religious structure, we begin to train, like I said, each other. This is exactly what happened to Laodicea. They had learned to have church without God. They had learned to have music without the spirit of God. They had learned to have youth service without a demonstration of the Holy Ghost. They had learned to come to church on Wednesday and on Sunday and hear preaching and not 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 be changed, not be revived, but they would walk out the same way that they came. And they had confused themselves. They had tricked themselves. They had bought hook, line, and sinker, the very lie of the adversary. For the Bible says that that church saw them as increased with goods and had need of nothing. But the way that God, Jesus, saw that church was not like like they saw themselves. But he said, Jesus, he said, you are not increased with goods and have need of nothing, but you are poor, you are destitute, you are naked, and you need to, be, to, to have gold that's been tried by fire. I want you to understand this. We often preach here, hear me tonight. We often preach to the unbeliever and say that behold, I stand at the door 
We preach an evangelistic sermon to every unbeliever saying, Jesus is knocking on your door. But can I tell you, that is not truly scripturally accurate. Jesus was standing at the door of a church that was supposed to be on fire. Jesus was standing at the door of a church that was supposed to be revived. Jesus was standing at a church that knew all the right things to do, knew the right songs to worship, but he said, boys, ladies and gentlemen, why don't you let me get back into my church? I've come to tell you, church isn't just about a calendar item that we can say, been there, check. Revival isn't just about a screaming evangelistic preacher that has good lungs and a fast beat. Revival is about something that is deep in your spirit that transforms who you are and causes you to be who God envisioned you to be. Sometimes we need to take a step back and we need to listen. Behold, I stand at the door and I knock. I've come to tell some people here today that you've been living 50%. Let me tell you, God's standing at the door of your heart and he's saying, let me back in. Let me take control. Don't just give me your Wednesday. Don't just give me your Sunday. Don't just give me your revival experience, but give me your all. Don't just give me holiday youth convention. Don't just give me uh, the days of the week that you don't want, but why don't you let me in and let me take control of all. I've come in here today that if you don't answer the door, let me tell you something. If you can stay in the same place, God's not going to force himself upon you. But can I tell you, he's knocking. Can I tell you, he's knocking. You're living below the means that God has for you. You're living below the purpose that God has for you. You're not where God envisions you to be. But I've come to tell you, it's time to rise up out of your seat and answer the call. It's time to rise up and say, Lord, come in and take control. I lift your hands. I feel the Holy Spirit right now blowing right now. Come on, I know you're tired. Lift up your hands right now. I'm asking the keyboardist to come, would you? Hallelujah. I'm just about done, but would you right now just lift up your hands? Come on, somebody. God's knocking tonight. Come on, I know you've got pedigree, but God's knocking. I know you've got a position, but God's knocking. I know you're involved in ministry, but God's knocking.
we could go on and on in regards to the reviving of all. But I think one of the greatest examples that we have to look to is probably one of the most prolific apostolic figures in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul. And even the Apostle Paul said it this way, Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended. He said, I count as myself that I hadn't attained yet. I hadn't been revived like I ought to be. Paul, who had scaled the spiritual pinnacles of the Himalayas. Paul, who trekked through spiritual uncharted territory. If there was an argument to be made about a man, that would have been okay. I think we could agree we'll give Paul a pass. But Paul said it this way. He said, though I might also have confidence in the flesh, he said, if there's anybody that in my flesh, my flesh wants to give me confidence that you've made it, Paul. Why? He said, I more could trust in my flesh. I more could trust in my experience. Circumcised the eighth day, the stock of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as touching the law of Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness, which is the law, blameless. He said, I ran the gamut. I did it all. I filled every position. I filled every position of ministry in the church. But I've come to tell you, I still haven't attained He said, but this one thing I do, I forget those things that are behind. We often preach this, that Paul was forgetting the negative things. And perhaps he was forgetting the gruesome way that he saw Christians being tortured and murdered. But you know what I believe? I believe that Paul was also trying to forget the victories and the successes And all that he had done in the past. He was saying, I've got to forget the successes. Because if I don't allow, if I allow my successes, they're going to run behind me. And they're going to trip me up. And those things that I did will end up stopping me from fulfilling the all that God has for me. so much to preach stand to your feet stand to your feet come on don't lose the spirit of the Lord that's here right now come on don't lose the spirit of God that's here 
I'm telling you, I've been praying. This afternoon I prayed. Yesterday I prayed. Many times I asked the Lord as an evangelist, I ask you, Lord, if you would be so gracious to show me a picture of what the conclusion of this service is supposed to look like. I'm not going to tell you what that picture is, but I'm going to tell you it would blow your mind if you saw what I believe God had put on my mind and my heart. What would happen if every single person would lay your schedule down, would lay tomorrow down, would lay your successes down, would lay your past down and say, God, give me a revival of all. you're standing but bear with me as I just conclude I I don't have time to get into this I don't have a candy stick that I can suck on I don't have time for that let me tell you something I thank God that we're a multi-ethnic church but let me tell you something I thank God that we're a multi-generational church I thank God for our elders I thank God for the mature I thank for God for the spiritually mature but let me tell you something I'm going to warn, I want to warn the church of what I feel God has given to me, and I've preached it before. I never preached this message just like I preached this. I promise you, you can ask my wife. I hadn't used Amos as a text at all. I just felt this in the Holy Ghost. Let me just tell you this. We have perverted what it is to be mature. We have perverted what it is to be mature. The church now calls maturity laziness, retirement, supervision. Maturity. We've perverted what it is to be a mature saint. We can just have the spirit of Michael on us supervising the new babies as they worship and glorify God and teach Bible studies and win the lost and show up for Thursday night prayer meeting. And all of our mature saints say, well, there was a day, Pastor, that I did that. There was a day when I really gave my all. I've come to rise to the quote-unquote mature here today. I've come to debunk a myth today to tell you something that maturity is not laziness maturity is not lackadaisical spirit maturity is not a spirit of supervision a spirit that says you're right and you're wrong let's pray for this brother let's just go through the motions and and you know what all they'll, they'll get off their spiritual high in a few months In what life do you live? In what world do you live? Our most mature should be producing the most. We've got new converts. And I understand their zeal. I understand their passion. But what world do you live in where babies produce babies?
we would call that weird. We would call that crazy for a babe to produce a babe. But yet the church has called that all right. And we've let the mature just sit back and say, there was a day that I was revived. There was a day that I would have done that. I'm not here to land blast you. I love you. I'm just telling you what I feel in the Holy Ghost. Not just this church. I'm talking about our apostolic churches. I'm telling you, it happens in our local church. It happens everywhere. It's, not, it, it, it's everywhere. But I've come, I've come to rebel against that spirit. I've come to rebel against the mature saint to kick you up and say, no, 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 no. Your best days are not behind you. Your best days are not behind There's still more. There's still more. You don't get the most yield out of a new tree. You get the most yield out of a mature tree. We don't get the most fruit out of something that's just been planted. We get the most fruit out of somebody that's withstood a few trials and withstood a few tests. But thank God they're still here. I'm afraid and I was so thankful to hear a pastor as he talked about it but I'm here I'm just digging right now is that okay I know you're standing but if the Holy Ghost moves in like I think it's going to you're not going to be standing for much longer the Holy Ghost is going to cause you to you know, crawl underneath your pew and find a place of prayer let me just hear me, y'all. I know I'm preaching, but I'm about to deal with this. What bothers me is that as apostolics, we can spend all day at the amusement parks. We can spend all day at the mall. We can sit and watch our favorite sports team for three and four hours. Young people, you can have that bud of your iPod in your ear for three or four hours and fall asleep to it. Wake up, still in your ear. All of a sudden, 8.45. You say, oh, that's because you're preaching. No, 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 no. All of a sudden, on Sunday at 2 o'clock, my God, Brother Brown. My God, Brother Wilmoth. Who is this guy? Get him out of here. He's messing up our schedule. That's what God called me to come here to do. Mess up your schedule. 
you'll get on it back soon enough. We understand we need that. We understand the structure and the organization. We understand it's not bad, but if we're not careful, we'll become entangled with it. Here's what I want to just say. I read a book called The Shallows. I'm not going to go deep into this. What caught me was this. The subtitle was How the Internet is Shaping Our Mind. Don't get scared. I'm not going to preach the internet. I'm probably the worst person that needs to go on a media fast right here. What caught my mind? And I began to read this book. The gentleman began to talk about technology. And he started back at print all the way up to the internet. Here's what he said. He said, it's not really the content. And we understand the content is bad, and your pastor will talk about that. But it's not really the content of technology, but sometimes it's the technology itself that can mess with the human brain. Follow this. He said, when you were younger and there was no There was no TV, there was no DVD, there was no VCR, there was no internet. Some of you are old enough to remember that. There were still actually eight tracks. That's not my time, but that's some of y'all's time. Where you actually had to read a book. I mean, there was actually something called a library. Like you actually have to had to stay after school to do your homework. You couldn't just go to Wikipedia. He said, but when print came along, our minds got programmed to stay in that book till we were done. Hear me. Hear me. He said, when radio came along, our minds got programmed to listen to that hour of news or that 30-minute dragnet spot or perhaps my favorite, James Ponson, the six-shooter. And then TV came. And all of a sudden, it would be an hour-long special of a television premiere. And then it became the 30-minute sitcom. And they told us preachers, they said, don't you dare preach past 30 minutes. Guilty as charged. They said, don't you dare preach past 30 minutes. Every magazine that you read would tell you probably 10 years ago, don't preach past 30 minutes. Because your people's brains and visitors and guests, their mind is only programmed to handle 30 minutes. Because that's the average sitcom. And all of a sudden, the internet came. And you know, you know now how we view our media? You know what my dad calls me? The scanner. I just kind of, I just skim it. Anybody else do that? You just kind of take the timeline just, okay, yeah, that looks good. Let's move it in that. It's YouTube. It's nine and ten minutes. And now we come. And the internet shaped our brains this way. And we come to church. And we just check into church for 10 minutes here. 15 minutes here. If we were to poll what the preacher preached about, some of us couldn't even tell us. 10 minutes after church. Because in the middle of your mess, in the middle of the message, you'd already checked out. I've come to tell you. 
We've got a generation, an apostolic. Let me tell you, these young people, we've got an apostolic generation. They don't even know what it is to tarry in the Holy Ghost. say, oh, this is old-fashioned preaching. Yeah, it is old-fashioned preaching. I know we don't do this every Sunday and every Wednesday, but let me tell you, there's a season for it. There's a season where we turn off the cell phone. We don't look at the clock, and we get down on our knees and say, God, revive me. Revive me. Get in my hands. Get in my mind. Get in my heart. I'm talking about a reviving of all. Right now, as I open up this altar, I'm asking everybody to lift their hands right now and begin to just cry out to God. And say, God, revive me tonight. I don't want to be the same that I same way that I came here. I've got to be revived with a spirit that says, God, I give you my all. Come on, are you are you completely, totally surrendered to God? Long gone are the days where people would run and flood the altars, run down and say, God, help me. Now we've got we've to use every trick in the book. We've got to say, please come. But can I tell you, when it gets in you, you don't need anybody else to call an altar call. You'll get out of your seat and say, God, revive me. God, revive my spirit. Revive my heart. Come on, what are you waiting on? Come on, what are you waiting on? I know you're programmed for a song. I know you're programmed for somebody to open up the altar. But I'm asking you, what do you desire? What do you hunger? What's your spiritual appetite? Come on, I'm talking about a revival of all. I'm talking about a revival of all. We're not just looking for the same ones to pray. We're not just looking for the same ones to worship. But God, revive us all. Come on, that's it. Begin to cry out. With a guthrow worship, a guthrow cry. If you're a guest here, if you're a visitor here, you say, what are you doing? This is unlike any church. It's a church that's sold out to Jesus Christ. It's a church that's sold out our heart, our mind, our bodies, our souls.
Could this be the service that everybody is filled? Could be this be the service that everybody worships? Could this be the service that everybody leaves with a fresh touch of the Holy Ghost? Could it be a day of Pentecost where they were all filled? from me come on what do you want from me God I challenge some of you to get down on your hands and knees to cry out to lay prostrate before the Lord and say God revive me revive me I'm looking for some mature saints that says my days are not behind me. They're ahead of me. I'm looking for some mature saints that say, Pastor, what can I do? I've been seduced by the sidelines for too long. Pray, 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 pray till you shake heaven. Pray, pray till your voice thunders. Pray till you can't pray anymore. We're not going to have the harvest until there's a reviving of all. We're not going to see the blessings and the dreams and the spiritual ambitions until there's a reviving of all. somebody here that is bound there's a there's a member of this church that is bound that needs the church to pray that needs the church to tarry and pray find a place and pray weep till you can't weep anymore push until you can't push anymore
Get us back to the glory, God. Get us back to the glory. Get us back to the unscripted demonstration of the Holy
Come on, the early church, they stayed and prayed until every chain was broken. They tarried in the Spirit until the Shekinah glory of God would settle down on us. Have we lost that? Or is there a reviving of all? Is there a reviving? doesn't want to be just Lord of 50% of you. He doesn't want to just be Lord of your church days. He wants to be your Lord of all. He wants to be the King of Kings. He wants His Lordship to reign over you on Monday, to reign over you on Tuesday rain over you when there's no revival service but there's still a mighty move of God's presence revive us all revive us all blow into this place again Holy Spirit descend like a great cloud be so tangible and thick in here God Come on, seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. I'm talking to somebody here today. God's giving you a space of grace right now for you to call on his name. It's been a long time since you felt what you feel right now. Don't let it pass you by. I'm telling somebody here today, it's been a long time since you felt the pull of God on your heart right now. Don't let it go by. Grab a hold of the horns of the altar. Grab a hold of his presence and don't let him go until he blesses you. Transform us.
Come on, the Holy Ghost is falling. If you're not praying, I want you just to lift up your voice. Find someone to pray with. There's a, there's a man down here. The Holy Ghost is going to fall on him right now. We, we need you to create an atmosphere of praise right now. Holy Ghost is touching right now. Let me tell you something. When we get right, God will bring the harvest in. When we get right, God's going to do the work. Come on, church, I need your help. We need you right now. We need you right now. If you're having a hard time, find somebody else and pray with them. But don't let this service go. I know it's 9.15, but don't let this service go. pray the Holy Ghost is descending on this man. The, he's right on the edge. He's right on the edge of the touch of the Holy Spirit. Would you pray right now? Come on, they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and begin to speak with other tongues. If you're a believer, I pray right now that you would pray in a heavenly language. Surrender it all. You've slain the
Let God fill you all from the top of your head to the soles of your feet, from the, every fiber, every cell of my being. Take control. Take control, God.